Hello and welcome to Something Who podcast and today something a bit different for you. I'm talking with Elizabeth Morton who's an actor and also writer. So mm -hmm. hello, hello Elizabeth. Nice to be with you Richard, hello. Yeah so I mean we're, the, the reason we're, we're talking to you I suppose is twofold. I mean it's to talk about your writing and to get into some of that and it's also because you have a connection partly by association, but also some actual things here and there to do with Doctor Who as well. Yes. Do you want to share to share with your listeners what that association is? Why don't I, I give yes. a version of my association with Doctor Who? So I'm married to Peter Davison, who was the fifth Doctor. Also, this is complicated even now for me. So I am the stepmother-in-law of David Tennant because David married my stepdaughter, Georgia, um, yeah. and also mum of Louis and Joel. They're both actors. Louis most recently was in a series called Vikings and Paul Dark. Joel is more of a musician, but he's been in Big Finish Audio, Survivors, uh -huh. The Doctor Who Story. So that that's my kind of immediate connections. But of course, there are the connections go further because just in terms of we know Sue Virtue and Stephen Moffat because our two boys grew up with their two boys right. um, interesting Doctor Who little kind of trivia is that Peter's real name is Moffat and yeah. Peter was working with Sue producing some, something and the boys were quite little and so we met them for the first time and Sue and Stephen who this was before Doctor Who I think it was before it had come back but we have a Louis Moffat, because that's Peter's real name, and we have a, a yep. Joel Moffat, and they have a Louis Moffat and a Joshua Moffat. And the <laughs> boys were, became quite friendly, and we would, you know, they grew up together a bit. And it's sometimes confusing. Well, it's been very confusing for the boys with the, with the Louis Moffats, Joshua and Joel Moffat. But occasionally people will slightly muddle up Sue Virtue, Sue Moffat, and of course, I'm Mrs. Moffat as well. We're both Mrs. Moffat. And this is all sort of Doctor Who fun. Yeah. yeah. So there are many connections. And of course, when I met Peter, Doctor Who was off the air, but he was working with someone called Bill Baggs. Do you know who yeah. is big in the Doctor Who community? And that's when Peter first met Mark Gatiss, because Mark was very much involved because he was a Doctor Who fan. And, and then it was wonderful to see as time moves forward to see that they're now involved with Doctor Who, you know, whereas we remember them as those very early days of, of doing comedy, League of Gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on with, with the strange connections uh, <laughs> trivia, but here we are today. And yes, sometimes I think that my writing, when I met Peter, I was writing, but I often wonder if it's my sort of escape into my time traveling world of my head to get away from all the sci-fi yeah um which i love but you know i'm leaving that up to my boys two boys are very big doctor who fans so they're interested in writing and, and various doctor who related projects so not not only have i got peter i've got the boys and it's so it's uh, but yeah. yeah so i write historical fiction romantic sagas absolutely love it absolutely Love the research, writing about my background. I was born and brought up in Liverpool, so, you know, a lot of my family's stories, um, and it's a, a genre I love. So 
that's me. Yeah, so let's go back to the writing, Ben. So was that always an ambition for you? Is that something you always wanted to be doing? I think it was an ambition without me quite realising it was an ambition because I, when I was very young, I put a joke into a comic and it was published and it won a prize. And so I think back to what was the impulse I had to make me write something, put it in an envelope, send it off. There must have been something. Then, then I became an actor and I loved being an actor, but it was very much, I think, part of the same, the path that led me to writing, acting was very much a continuation of that journey. I hate to use the word journey, but, you know, acting, not only does it give you the skills to be resilient in terms of rejection, which as every writer knows, rejection is such a huge, huge thing. Yeah just so much part of being a writer and, and I think when you've been an actor you, you it just becomes part of your DNA so you just keep going so when people say mm, it's not quite right or it's not you just go well I've got another idea well, right. so yes I think I have always written but there was a time when I was acting that I wasn't quite putting down things on paper but then I did start sort of in my late 20s. In my early 20s, I was just, you know, having a great time. But I do think that every job I did, and and funny enough, I often think it's the jobs that you do that are a bit the sort of, <laughs> you can learn as much from understanding what doesn't work and what's not a good script. And then you occasionally, then you get a good script and you really understand as an actor how you can breathe life into that. And I think that's quite important as well, you know, doing things that that were kind of a bit more, I'm hesitating to say this, but, you know, I had my, what we sort of call in, in the acting business, end of the peer moments. I had loads of end of the peer jobs, um, not literally end of the peer, but, you know, jobs. And then I, you know, then I'd go off and be doing Shakespeare or whatever. So I think, that's the answer to that question. I have always written, apart from that time when I was acting early yeah. on in my 20s. However, then I started to write things and enter competitions because I began to realise this was a way of making connections with agents and other writers. Right. And started doing that in my late 20s, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, the thing you were saying about, you know, learning from, from bad writing, I mean, I, I mean, I guess it's true generally when when you do work that you you know you learn from seeing how people do things badly mm-hmm. oh, i won't do that then it, yes. it, as much as you learn from seeing you know good examples and say yes. oh i must imitate that that's yes. that's, that's something that I can take from that so yes. I, I i sort of see that and you know yeah, so you may... sorry to interrupt but you also learn about being collaborative as an actor so mm-hmm. if you because as a writer, even though I'm quite, because I'm writing prose, I'm writing books, so it's quite solitary and authored. But you, as an actor, you, you know, you see people sabotaging their careers by behaving in a difficult way or, a, you know, there are exceptions, of course. I'm not saying everyone has to be bland, but sometimes that collaborative nature of, of being an actor and working on a project then when you become a writer, for example, if if you're given notes, you know, you with my books, I have several cycles of editors and it's sort of being open to people's input and 
if you don't think it's quite right, having the confidence to say, you know, I'm not quite sure because of this. So there's always a, a, a conversation going on rather rather than feeling that your your voice is somehow precious. So I, I think I learned that from acting as well. Okay, so you, you're saying that you come from Liverpool and that's where you, you've, you've set the action in your books. I understand that the latest is called The Orphans from Liverpool Lane and it's out in paperback very shortly. Thank you. Yes, yes. Coming out 6th of July. Exciting. Yeah. So I'm doing quite a lot of publicity. I, I do, my books are in the libraries, so I do quite a few library talks and I love doing that because not only is it just still a, a massive thrill to see my books in the libraries, but also because I often go off to do these talks and I come back with so many little stories and ideas that people have shared you know, from just little things like what slang people use, you know, what sayings grandmothers had to terrible things that maybe have happened to relatives of, you know, my readers in the war or if if I'm in Liverpool, often talk to people whose family worked in the docks. And, you know, it really is because you spend so much time in your room on your own as a writer. I think mm-hmm. getting out and doing those talks is a great reset and gives you balance to that what can be quite lonely and stamina wise you have to keep keep at it you know especially my genre where I'm writing a book a year so that sort of working every day writing every day is very important because you can very quickly suddenly go oh I've got two months to deliver a book yeah (laughs) now that that to me I find that that would really unnerve me so I always try and stay slightly ahead in terms of deadlines, yeah, just keeping a balance, really. Yeah, I mean that's that's quite a throughput, isn't it? A book a year for an author. Yes, it is. Except you know, with my genre, there are some incredible writers, incredibly successful writers who do produce. You know, some of them a phenomenal output. You know, three books a year or that. Wow. <laughs> so two books a year is not unusual. And, and in fact, I'm writing something with Peter at the moment. So I'm working on a schedule of two books I, I try and I try and finish a book in nine months so yeah yes there's no way around it you have to sit down and bang out those 95,000 words that's part of as I say part of the the genre and it suits me it suits me I like that if I haven't written every day I feel strange it, it, I don't have to write chapters you know it doesn't have to be brilliant it's just it's almost like for me it's like not cleaning my teeth every day you know it's sort of unimaginable I have to do it at some point to feel that the day is right Hmm. that is proceeding in a proper way I have to have done some yeah put some words down on paper yeah well it's great I guess still to be excited about that having written for a number of years it's easy to I guess to get into a job or a way of doing things that just becomes routine but to still have the enthusiasm is, is important isn't it yes yes I mean I I can't ever imagine that happening to me with books but who knows but at the, at the moment I've got plenty of ideas that that I want to write about new new stories new ideas so 
again with the with the genre of historical fiction saga you're generally writing about one family so every family has a different dynamic every family's different you know every especially if there's a again saga the sort of definition of a saga is you're they're generally set in in a, a historical so set in a period 1970s before can't quite believe 1970s is considered historical now um as, as you remember in 1970s but it is yeah we're generally talking about the period before and you have a you know you have a heroine and she will be facing challenges societal challenges that's very important for sagas and then you've got the push and pull of the family so i mean every different person is going to have a different story so i can't imagine running out of ideas I, I suppose it's you have to keep writing them in a way that's fresh so your readers don't get bored that's the thing isn't it that or think that you're repeating it so it has to feel different so i always choose a theme that even though one book there might be similar themes i always try and have a kind of controlling historical event in each book that is very specific to to the book okay so that to me is so the book before last it was about or one of the stories in it was it was about what happened to the irish and liverpool community after the outbreak of world war Two. right and they had they had internment camps in liverpool unbelievably which people didn't really know much about or at least i didn't know much about it no and then there was a, an incident where a ship carrying italian jewish german people out to Canada sank and again it's a kind of little known story but so that was that mm-hmm. event for me and and in the book that I've written I'm writing about what happened to children who whose parents couldn't cope after the war in my case it's a family where the father comes back a couple of years after from a, a Japanese prison of war camp and I was interested to write about the upheaval of an all-female household with a damaged man who they the daughters don't know because they were too young so in effect a stranger um Mm. and then about this phenomenon of orphans of the living it was called where children instead of being taken into care they were put into the version of care they were put into into the care of institutions like the salvation army and the church and they were called orphans of the living so their parents would be alive but they would, you know, the church would look after them and, and very, and sadly on, on occasions they were sent, these children were sent to places like Canada and Australia. So so that's the, you know, so as long as I can keep finding an event to write about and that yeah. there are so many, I will. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm originally from, from the north of England, but the other side of the Pennines from Yorkshire. I mean, I, I can I could sort of hear a hint of a northern accent from yeah. you, but I, I, I guess the years of drama school might have pushed yes, that out. Or maybe, oh. drama school, yes. When you went, I went to Guildhall, and when I went to drama school, it wasn't it wasn't really fashionable to keep your accent. So you you know we were taught how to speak properly, and I'm somewhere still a bit in the in the middle. And the boys always say if I if I get angry, I say get in the bath. And the, <laughs> uh, the the bath and the grass will um you know yeah. 
get it. Yes, it, it's definitely still there. And when I go up there doing doing my book stuff, I come back. So nice. Hello, <laughs> Yeah, we used we used to joke with my my mother who's Scottish that you'd get her over the border and suddenly it was all oh it's been whatever you know whereas normally you you couldn't really tell so yeah 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 I mean I I've been living in uh, in Hampshire for nearly thirty years so most of my accent's gone too but uh, no I <laughs> flat, flat vowels here and there yes I can hear it my mom's from Leeds and my granddad oh, yes. he was a pianist but he used to. He was the master of ceremonies in at the Queen's Hotel, the Railway Hotel. Oh yeah, yeah. So I do remember. You know, he's got loads of stories about that. Yeah. So Leeds is quite a big part part of me as well. All right. Yeah, you used to go past it every day because I I was at Leeds Grammar School. I used to get the, the train back home. So so yeah, it was yeah. walked past Queen's Hotel quite a lot. Yeah. Yes. Well, I know it well. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I mean, and there's there's a, a musical thing as well, I think, with you. I mean, I played in a brass band, and we used to go around working men's clubs from time to time when I was a boy. But uh, I, I think you've you used to play musically in, in the in the clubs as well from time to time. I did. Well, I did. You know, growing up in Liverpool, I, I, I had this real kind of opposing forces, could you could say. So my dad's family were, I mean, they were they are a great family. And uh, like the crack, but they were quite quite religious. Ten kids. Yeah. We had a nun. We had a priest. My auntie was a nun. My uncle. So it was very religious based. But my mom, her parents ran a dancing school, and my mom's brother became a violinist with the London Symphony Orchestra. My mom was a music teacher. So I had the kind of acting and the austerity of religion and mm-hmm. that sort of push and pull. So I started off playing in the church. I'd be playing my piano, accordion, and mass, and singing. And then, then it kind of led to, oh, will you will you play in, in the, you know an old age pension as one of the homes? And so I started there. And then met a woman who was a manager, and she used to manage a band called Our Kids, Our Kids from Liverpool. And I think they were an opportunity knocks, and she was going to make us famous. And so then the next thing we, I was kind of put into this world when I was. 16 15 16 of going around the clubs and then when I so with that group and then when I went to drama school it was the time when you needed an equity card and it was very difficult to get an equity card uh-huh. these days but someone said well, you, you can get it through through singing in the clubs so I went back then on my own I thought well I'll, I'll do this so I, I found myself in Roncorn Docks one evening, never forget it, with with like a load of sailors that had come off the ships and I was there singing Country Roads, uh, age 18, with these sailors sort of and my dad at the back going, oh, were we bitten off more than we could chew here? And I do write about that because I think the world, of, I mean, there was, you know, they were, it was great. You got, got your dots, love. You'd have to bring your, your dots, your music. And you got your dots. Yeah. And you'd have, like, give them your dots. And you'd have a the piano. Well, it was always an organ. Like a zing. <laughs> and then you'd have a drummer. And whatever. I would have my piano accordion and my guitar. And there was our big black belt in our secondhand rows and you know, in my Liverpool home, carpenters, you know, quite eclectic, but quite, yeah. quite clobby. And it was always, I remember it was always a thing 
if you could, you did your first half yeah. and listened to you. And yeah. then you'd come back, you know, after the chicken in the basket and the bingo, and you'd come back. And if you, if you could get them up dancing, that was always, you were like a great night and you were a big success. So then it was all about, you know, little old wine drinking me and those songs. Yeah. God. Well, what I remember about that was, as you say, nobody listened to you in the first half. And then the bingo would come out and there'd be absolute pin drop silence. Yes. Because, because nobody, nobody wanted to miss and then the numbers being shouted out and then it would go back to being rowdy again when that was finished yes i mean i i i'm assuming these places still exist now but <laughs> there must know. be one or two yeah 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 and then the whole you know i used to play british legion rafa clubs you know that that there was mm. ellesmere port service and siemens club you know that mm. so there there was a whole yeah there was no shortage of the walkie hollow that you know it was great yeah great. and also all these experiences are great to write down on you know if you know yeah. if you can be authentic about it and you're writing about what it was like to stand up in a club and be frightened and look out onto the if you've done it it just makes it so much easier to write about it you know mm. So I, I do remember seeing you in Jeeves in Worcester, uh, which I watched at spent at some point in the early 90s. Uh, when, I, when I saw your photo, I thought, oh, yes, you have to recognise the, the face. So, yeah. Was, yeah. Was, was that a fun thing to do? That was, and that was great. I mean, it was quite a quick process thinking back on it in terms of the casting and the, you know, felt very quick. You suddenly... At one meeting, maybe I went back for another meeting and then, then right in the middle of it. And of course, it was the days when ITV, it felt like they had a lot of money and, and the costumes and the locations were absolutely fantastic. The house that I lived in as Madeline Bassett was mm -hmm. the same house, that Highclere Castle, where they filmed um, oh, yeah. Downton Abbey. So when anyone ever says, oh, Highclere Castle... Downton Abbey answer. It was my house before it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they and they were at the beginning of their careers, kind of um, mm. steep view. So, yeah, it was really a joy. And I love PG Woodhouse. It was just silly, you know. Yes. The, it was silly and funny and just a bit crazy, madcap. And as I said, the attention to detail. In terms of the costume, the setting, the cars, you know, that, that was absolutely fantastic. And it's still, it's still, because often these period pieces that you do, of course, they don't, they don't age. So it's still yes. bringing joy to, you know, a lot of people now. Whereas if you make something that was contemporary in mm. in the 80s or even the 90s, it, it can be a bit jarring. But, but something like Jeeves and Worcester, I think it just... I think it will live on really but to be to be enjoyed by people for the first time mm. on a loop really yeah. lots of great british actors in it as well yes i mean that they, they were coming in and doing the the episodes and also you know there were great actors there were great great actors because it was such a characterful piece yeah great character actors that would come in and do an episode and then went on to have you know, those kind of careers that sometimes I think are 
just the best in a way. The actors who just pop up in things and just constantly mm. working and, you know, reliably good. The cast, the way that he writes P.G. Woodhouse is each episode was, you'd have your guest actors and your, you know, mm. yeah, it was great, great. So you gave me a, a thrill earlier on when when the um, the thing came up and it said Peter Davison in the bottom corner of, of your computer when you were joining here. Um, but as, I think also, as you mentioned briefly earlier, when you when you first met Peter, he he, he had been Doctor Who, but it was it was sort of off the agenda. I mean, he did a very wide career and lots of things. So so I, I imagine you, you you kind of barely thought that you were stepping onto the. Uh, onto the Doctor Who merry-go-round at that point. It was like, you know, one tiny aspect in, in his life, I suppose. Yes, and what was quite funny about that, I remember one of our first conversations, I rang him up and said, and I said, do you, do you mind talking about Doctor Who? And he co- he went, no. And and um, then I thought, what, what, you know, well, what, what? <laughs> not really qualified to really to know much about it to you know where do we start but i do yes he he wasn't the doctor at the time in fact he was working peter was working the theater he was in a, a show i right. for murder and then and then when we met he was in chicago in the west end in the theater and and it was before at home with the braithwaites which i always think even though peter always worked I think he has these kind of cycles where it's almost like kick starts again. So for, mm. it was at home with the Braithwaite's that then led to the last detective and distant shores and it's a sort of a whole new kind of phase. I think for Peter, he he often says it's when he when he had to do some TV show and he had to shout and get angry, and then they, there was often they were oh that. That Peter Davison's good at the shouting. And who would have thought? And then he was cast in something called Too Good to Be True, which was a typical of what was happening then. He would often be cast as the murderer or as the baddie because the, the casting directors would think, oh, oh, no one will suspect it to be Peter Davison. He's far too nice. And of course, it, it was always a good way to work against it. He would be the least obvious killer or murderer yeah. so he seemed to be going on to play quite a few <laughs> <laughs> no he wasn't in Doctor Who and I do remember saying do you mind, do you mind talking about Doctor Who I don't know why I thought he would mind talking about it but I thought maybe he felt oh that was something he'd done so long ago you know he, he wouldn't want to come back to it. little did I know <laughs> he'd be coming back to it in the world of conventions and yeah 60th or 50th whatever, year after year after year but when we had the boys, they did used to watch Peter in Doctor Who, and they they didn't call it Doctor Who; they called it Doctor Daddy. And <laughs> so, you know, I would watch a bit of it then with through their eyes, and then of course it came back and it just went crazy, didn't it? So, yeah, yeah. My relationship with Peter was was not Doctor Who was not really a. And as you say, I remember mentioning about this Bill Bags thing, and uh huh. Mark Gatiss, he'd just done some weird thing. And I remember thinking, what? Well, what is that? It's not Doctor Who, but it's some fan thing. It's some, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I guess we were so desperate in those days for the new content. You know, it was it yeah. was off the air and it was probably never coming back as far as we knew. 
Yeah. So, so yeah, so all, there were all sorts of kind of slightly fringe things that were made at the time. Yeah. And then when Big Finish came along, again, yeah. that was a kind of a, a new lease, I guess. Uh, and again, we were, you know, we were always interested to hear those new stories featuring yeah. the old characters. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember yeah. that again being quite small and niche and then seeing it that grow and seeing that the people they get into do Big Finish now. I mean, that's it. it <laughs> that's incredible really because it mm. wasn't like that in those days it was, it was sort of small and but much loved right right from the beginning but now mm. it's, it's yeah it's, it's huge and very much part of the new Doctor Who I, I still call it new but it's very much part of the the Doctor Who canon the TV show now isn't it the yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those of those who've been around for a while also think of it as new. But you're right, you know, it's 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 very nearly twenty years, so it, it, it has been around for a wee while now. So, yeah. so you've you've actually done some of those big finished plays yourself as well, sometimes alongside Peter. I, I wonder what it's like. I mean, I've got a different job from my wife. We don't often see each other at work, but she's she's a teacher, and, and sometimes when I've seen her teaching, I think, oh, this is a this is a different and unusual side that I haven't seen before. So I, I wonder what it's like going to work uh, with your husband. Uh, well, initially it was kind of an accident. It was because somebody couldn't turn up in mm. America. So they asked me, Peter volunteered me to read in with him and then they would dub this the actress's voiceover. So yeah. then, and so that's how I kind of got met the big Finnish people. And then, then I did work with Peter. I mean, it was fine. It was sort of, Initial at that point, because that by then I was very much a writer and working as a writer, and I think Peter, mm. that's what I did, and that's, so I don't know what he because he didn't really know me as an actor, not you know because I uh, as I say I I sort of was too busy with my writing career it was taking over so I don't know I don't know he I think he probably was a bit worried that. I wouldn't be able to do it or something. I hoped, I hope, I well, it's not for me to say, but I did manage to get through it without anything catastrophic happening, uh-huh. anything, God knows what he worried that uh, might happen, but yeah, we got through it and indeed we yeah. enjoyed it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, but if they keep not... asking you back, it can't, have, it can't have been too bad, right? Yes, well, they did ask me back, which was great, but they didn't, I, I, how many have I done with Peter? Not many, I think. Right, okay. So I think I've done more without Peter. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know what it would be like acting with Peter sort of on stage or in a TV thing. Horrendous, probably. Mm-hmm. I, think it, <laughs> I think it would just be too sort of, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. But I enjoy writing with him. It's mm-hmm. it's combative and lively but we are working on something together at the moment and I'm enjoying it because it's, I think we've got two different approaches that actually work quite well together. We can bring different, Peter's very good at the detail and the the logic. And I think I can bring a sort of flight of imagination that goes off into strange places that you need both of those really. So you need one person to say, well, what if you did that? Well, no, no, we can't do that. I don't, and the, it, it just keeps you, it keeps you on track, keeps it sort of rigorous in a way, I think. So, yeah, I'm quite, I am, I'm enjoying that. We're writing mm. a book together, a crime book. So, 
that's where we are at the moment with it. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you feel about your sons following you in sort of a creative ways? I, I don't suppose you can, you can do very much with children. They, they do what they do. But, uh... they, they do. That's, yes, that's an interesting question. I mean, you one worries all the time because, you know, you have a moment where you kind of look at look at their friends and going off some of them doctors and whatever and you you kind of think oh wistful you know how how much more straightforward it would have been but my two are just the bones of them are performers creatives they've both gone to you know very liberal arts creative universities and goldsmiths university which is in london so they you know something is is pulling them to but but i i suppose and uh, you know louis done quite a lot of acting now and i think that you have to be supported but uh, but i think within within this business there are you know there's so many ways of expressing yourself creatively and nowadays it doesn't feel quite as prescriptive as it did for, for yeah. when you were starting out you know you would you went to drama school, you, you you got an agent and you would really sort of wait for the phone to ring. The agent would set up the thing. You either got the job or you didn't, and that was how you progressed. But I can see now, and I can see now, especially with the boys, they're both big Doctor Who fans. They're quite, you know, by nature, quite sort of geeky. And I can see they've got ideas, I suppose they're, They've grown up with me as a writer more than an, an actor, so they probably see see what I'm doing. They've seen Peter directing um, Five-ish Doctors, yeah, and they and that's quite exciting to to watch them come into this business, but with sort of bursting, you know, with ideas. Really, I mean, I'm a big one because of my piano accordion and the working men's clubs to to say that's all very well, but if you want stories, ideas, you've got to go and work, as in Louis in a, in a yogurt-selling bar, or Joel's currently working for Punch Drunk Theatre Company, working in the bar, and just to, you know, find those stories. Be a creative person, but look outwards to into the world. I think as a writer, and again, for me, because of, the genre, it, it is really important to listen to other people's stories, you know. So and then you can, you know, you might be writing a sci-fi thing about a spaceship or whatever, but if you sat with someone and they told you what it feels like to be frightened about something in their life, then that's really important. And the, and the stresses of the rubbish parts of life, I think, are important. So what was the question? The question was... <laughs> I, I just wonder how it kind of felt. I mean, you, you know, having performed, you know, what the life is like, but then, of course, everyone's experience of it is different anyway. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think that, yeah. I think, but naturally, they're going to be performers at heart. And, you know, there, there are difficulties, especially at the big thing that blew up all about, you know, Nepo babies, which, of course, we, right. we have around our table quite a lot. There is a just a, a compulsion, I think, because you've, grown up with with in this business and you you know you are it, it's it's natural look at georgia you know all georgia's children it, it, it is at 
oh, oh, I would have loved it. I would have loved a doctor or or a lawyer or, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the thing is, so the nepotism thing only gets you so far anyway. I mean, unless you've got real talents, it's not, it's, it's, it's really, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yes, you have to put in the work, you know, and you have to, mm. and, to, you know, acknowledge it, but, you know, be seen to be enthusiastic and, and, and hard work. I mean, the thing about, as I say, writing in particular is, you know, you don't have a writing career unless you sit down and do it. Nobody is going to do it for you. Mm. An idea, it, whilst it's existing in your head, it, it's nothing because you can't communicate it. So that you know, you have to, you just have to sit down, make things, write things, you know, to share. And I think that often sorts out the entitled from the, mm. from those who are genuinely born to inherit those genes that perhaps, you know, are a blessing and a curse at the same time. Yes, yes. it's a bit cliche to say it, isn't it? But no one's going to listen to you or respect you unless you you you're bringing something to the yeah. you, you you mentioned the five-ish doctors thing we did love i think that peter had made his own fan film but he, he wasn't going to get invited to the 50th anniversary thing so he just did his own thing that was that was there's something rather sweet about that yeah. um, but also uh, maybe a, a a good good metaphor for the boys i suppose in terms of you, you have to get your own projects off the ground yes absolutely and i, th- I think that you know the the whole the doctor who community will as uh, keep coming back to Mark, don't I? But that's how he started as well. So the whole within this fan community, how you can give back, and of course now we have the technology that that allows you mm. to do that. But when Peter started making that, I mean, it was very much just him and a camera, and then the BBC went, "Oh, we like this idea," and then it grew and grew to become something quite touching and and uh, mm. beautiful. So yeah. The, the boys have seen that, and I think that that for them is probably, you know, the, the beginning of their careers. But I think those influences are really important, aren't they? Seeing, you know, just how, how much fun it is as well. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Look, I, I think I'm I'm coming to the end of the time we'd agreed. But thanks so much for for talking Thank to you. me. Thank um, you, Richard. Thank you. And, um, Wishing you further success, I guess, with with the new book coming out. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's it's been good to talk to you about yeah about your life and about those uh, Doctor Who connections here and there. Yes, lovely. Thank you so much, and very best of luck with it. The Doctor Who, <laughs> I'll still be in my room writing my sagas, and Doctor Who, and still will be continuing to occupy yeah. our lives for many, many, many years to come, and generations, our our, our generations, our children, our children's children. One would hope. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for the time. Yeah. See you again. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye bye. Bye.